Welcome back to Balderdash Academy. I'm your headmaster, Bob LeBlanc. Joining us today, and by us, it's Randy and I. We have Krista Phillip from Chimera Theater Collective. We're on, we're talking about villainy or something. We're talking about fringe and whatever else comes up. So, Chris, welcome to Balderdash Academy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's an honor to be here. So, we are... A little less than one week away from opening night. So, how are you doing? Uh, you know, it's fringe. So, <laughs> uh, it's not like your typical process. Um, we actually just had rehearsal, our first like in person rehearsal today. Um, not fully off book yet, but doing it and it's fun and chaos. We finished the um outlining the script and everything last week so we've had a little bit of time um but is it really fringe if you're not flying by the seat of your pants i argue not (laughs) so uh (laughs) still a little bit of flying by the seat of the pants but uh should be uh, a fun and chaotic time based on what we were doing at rehearsal today so that was really now you're teamed up with polyphonic theater ensemble for this Yes. Uh, so I had applied and Megan Trapaldi of Polyphonic also applied to Port Fringe and we got in and they were 16 or 17 on the wait list. And as we got closer, um, I realized that I didn't want to perform by myself during Port Fringe this year <laughs> and that it was clear with it being an all local festival, it was less likely to be a lot of waitlist movement as there sometimes can be. Um, yeah. And with there being a lot fewer acts this year, I mean, usually there's, I want to say like 30 to 50 people, like performances the whole 10 days of the festival. Um, and so it's easy to very quickly, if you're in 16 or 17, eventually get called in um, yeah. off the wait list. But we were getting to a point and I was like, I don't want to do this by myself. I've done that before. It's not fun. I got other stuff going on. Um and so I brought uh, Megan in. So it's Megan and myself. Uh, and it's just the two of us uh, performing. And we just were trying to find something chaotic and fun to do because 20 minutes is a short period of time. I mean, most fringe is an hour. Yeah. Um, or in a typical year, it's like 30 is the short format, not 20. Um, and we did a short format last year for when it was virtual and filmed. Um, so I was familiar with like 20 minutes is a little bit more than you're used to for a short play. If you're doing a play, um, and a little bit shorter than you think it is for anything that's a little out of the norm. Like you gotta introduce what you're doing really quickly and just go with it. Um, in the same way that like a 10 or 15 minute play would be. Um, so, uh, last year we did like a storytelling game of telephone, um, that was a good 15, 17 minutes total. We had seven or eight people. Um, and so this year we were like, what's something we can do with that same sort of format in mind, but where very little setup, very little takedown, just two people and a bunch of chaos for 20 minutes. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we settled on a villainy or something because we were throwing out a whole bunch of ideas and 
I looked at my bookshelf, which I actually had pulled these books out already. So they're very easily accessible. Um, and I had three books, uh, how to take over the world by Ryan North, mm-hmm. um, how to be a villain, uh, Evil Laughs, Secret Lairs, Master Plans, and more. <laughs> um, and the Action Heroes Handbook, because every villain needs to know how to, uh, you know, counteract anything they're doing. Yeah. And I said, huh, I have a lot of books about, like, being a villain. And Megan said, well, that sounds like a fun show. And and that's what happened. <laughs> so that's where we ended up eventually. Um, that was the origin of the idea. And then it was just a bunch of like what are things we love to play with and do? So there's a little bit yeah. of music, a little bit of puppets, um, a lot of bit of puppets. There's a moment that I look like I'm having an identity crisis because I am <laughs> two puppets speaking to myself. Um, it's great. Uh, so we go a little chaotic, uh, but yeah, so that's sort of the origin of that is I just have a weirdly non-zero number of books about being a villain. And, you know, I'm... I'm an unassuming enough personality uh, and a friendly enough person that you would never guess. Like, no, you would, like, if I were, no, it's villain, always the nice guys. Yeah. Yeah. As super villains. You know, I like, like too with your title that you, uh, you didn't just stop at villainy. Yeah. <laughs> no, nope, no, we did not. <laughs> you tacked on a little bit more. Yes. Uh, was that to cover your butt in case <laughs> you know so, it morphed into something else or a little bit so you know i i have i have produced enough fringe to know this will be my 17 18 19 21 because there's no 22 so this is my fifth port fringe um and i've done two i've produced at two other fringe festivals in the US and in a couple of weeks I'm producing outside of the U S so mm-hmm. I've done enough fringe festivals as a producer to know that you don't always need to know exactly what the show you're doing when you submit. Um, we actually submitted with a completely different idea in mind for this festival, um, which was going to be an adult send off of the PBS kids show zoom. Um, <laughs> uh, Send it to Zoom. Yes. It was originally going to be like, zoom but for the child that died inside of like the adult that now exists um <laughs> uh for both gen x and millennials because they revamped <laughs> the show um in the late 90s and so that was the original thought but then i wasn't super attached to it i had another idea that i'd submitted to late night that we didn't get in with um but we hadn't written the script yet and when marketing deadline was due and that's often the case with a lot of port friend shows or friend shows in general, unless you're touring. Um, you know, I've toured a show that I knew what it was when I was applying. And so that's a little different. Um, or you like, if you know the concept solidly enough, you can submit with that information. And usually you want to leave your description to be vague enough that like you get a little bit of wiggle room on what the actual show is about, unless you already have it. And so part of it was that, and part of it is, um, I actually don't have our description rate right up in front of me, but um, <laughs> part of it is we it's it's about villains, but it's not about like we were thinking a lot about like Dr. Horrible sing-along block and yeah. Megamind. And it's not about villains that are particularly competent at what they do. 
And so the or something is to give a little bit of that flavor. And if you like, look at our description, it's very much like we're doing this thing or maybe, but yeah, this is a thing. Um, and so that's partially, yes, 100% covering our butt because we don't exactly know what the show is about when we're yeah. submitting that information. But it also gives a very fun like look into the style that you're looking for when you're creating the piece. Um, mm-hmm. So when we did the escape room um, in 2019, which was its own journey, I didn't have the specific um, like plot of the room figured out or like even all of the puzzles quite figured out when marketing was due. And so I came up with something very cryptic and like vague enough that I could like, work off of it as best as we could um in creating it uh which like helps you in the creation process but also gives you that leeway and also makes you think a little bit more about like how do i create something that's going to draw someone in if all they know about your show is reading the program of the festival and they're looking through all of the shows and they're just seeing the title and the description and the image and that's it how can you bring someone into that so um that is you know, the or something is stylistic. It's to cover your butt a little bit, but it's, <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of finding like humorous ways to tie in what you're doing. And that uh, like we had a whole text thread, uh, Megan and I, of like possible title ideas going for like the really ridiculous um, and whatnot. And it was also a way to help us figure out like where we were going to go with the direction for the show. Yeah. Um, and this was one that like, I had just literally started spouting out a whole bunch of different titles. And I said, villainy or something. And Megan was like, that <laughs> one, keep that one. That's the one we're going with. So sometimes it's just, you, you know, you, you spitball, you brainstorm and you find something fun. Now, um, do you have plans for this after Fringe? Uh, for this piece, who knows? Um, it's created with the parameters of Fringe in mind. Um, it's a piece that could very well be submitted other places. It's a, I mean, our timing today was 15, 16 minutes of the 20 and there's a little bit of wiggle room for some, the physical movement that we may not have yeah. had the space for and where we were. Um, and for like little like ad libs and stuff with the audience, there's some of that in the show. Um, so, but it's also something that like could very easily be expanded into an hour long or longer piece. Um yeah it's got enough of a framework to it that if we wanted to, it could be longer, but I think for now it's, it's for this moment uh, for this fringe, which is kind of one of the fun things about fringe is you don't have to make something with longevity. Um, You know, you have the parameters of the venue, the timing, how long you have to perform your load in load out. And that'll all inform what you want to do with the show um like we built this show to be that there are no cues at all we bring everything on and off as part of the show so that there's not because we have to trend i mean as you've talked with other people in fringe and you guys are in it yourself um there are three shows in one hour and that hour includes transitions and so we have built into our show like our setup and our everything so that that's part of the um the kind of event that we have created. That's very Um, smart. Yeah. Yes. It was, 
really it was like, how do we do something? Because that was one of the reasons we didn't do our send off of Zoom, which was called Woos, by the way, W O O Z, Zoom upside down. Um, uh, part of the reason that I didn't really like love the idea for this particular format was that anything I could think of for it required setting up a trunk, setting up a table, having something yeah. like preset for you. And I didn't want to deal with that in the same way. And so it's a lot easier to say any props we have are getting brought on with us. Anything, you know, if there are a sound cue, we're playing it ourselves as part yeah. of this. Um, we're not going to deal with lights up, lights down. Like there's no anything, which also inadvertently makes it very possible that we could bring this somewhere. Like we could do this as a pop-up show in a restaurant or a bar or something if we wanted to, because of the way we've structured this. Yeah. Um, but I think for now, the the plan for this show is to just have it. It's port for engine. That's what it is, which I also kind of love when you don't have to think about something after it's done. Yeah. Um, Randy, we once again did things the hard way. Yeah, of course, that's what we do best. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not to say that I haven't done that either. I mean, the escape room... 2019 Port Fringe did an installation fest. It was the first time they had done it. And we had like four hours to load in and two hours to load out. And I was like, yeah, we'll do something fun. We'll do an escape room. And I didn't do nearly as much installation as other people did in their installation pieces. Um, I think Randy did the escape room. So he, I did. Uh, it was, he knows it was, what it was. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it was hard because, we had technical difficulties going into it. I didn't feel like a real person by the end of that evening because I almost like called off the whole thing because we were having like, I had an old, uh, an old, it was a 20, uh, 2011 MacBook Pro with a CD drive, but the CD drive was getting stuff stuck in it. And I was trying to like, I had recorded a video earlier and I was trying to like burn it to a DVD so we could use it as the start of the thing. And that wasn't working. Um, and we had to cancel our first run of the escape room because we weren't ready. Um, because shockingly, unlike a normal theatrical performance or other performance where you can just sort of do it and make stuff up, if you don't have all of the puzzles of an escape room set up before you start, it yeah. kind of breaks down. Um, and so, you know, that was very much like we're in this space, we're doing that. We didn't have a lot of time to set up for it. And it worked out. I wouldn't do that again. Um, <laughs> like if I were to do an escape room, I would want to like start a business or like I have friends that have done escape rooms and like that yeah. is, you know, yeah. we were play testing that room as the evening went on. So like there were clues that I had built that people skipped past in the first room. So I was like, great, those are gone. Like, I, I think my group did that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, like I had a cipher for something and people figured it out without even like unlocking and doing the cipher. And I was like, yeah. great, this Mason jar with a lock on it. Goodbye. Now um, you're, you're a, you're a tabletop gamer. So yeah, you know, you know about PC disease, you know, it doesn't matter what you do if, as a game runner. The, the the people who you're running it for will immediately lose IQ points the second they start, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, so you decided were... to then do that on a time limit live. Yeah, there were. All right. 
That's one thing about an escape room. <laughs> anything is fair game for the people doing the escape room. And we were in a venue called new fruit, which I don't know if it still exists or made it through the pandemic. And they had like their wireless router and one of their phones was like in the part of the space that we were using and we couldn't really move those. And people yeah. were like picking up the phone, thinking there was something with the phone. <laughs> like there, there was no, yeah. well, would you have that in some, that escape rooms you you like some yeah. businesses you'll have fully wired fully coded out technology that you have to manipulate in order to get out of the room yeah yeah 100 percent um actually i don't think that was your if i remember correctly randy you were in the group that actually had the existential crisis about what to do at the end of the room because there was like there yeah. was a choice at the end of the room um which like you could have chosen either and it would have been fine you just would have gotten a slightly different ending um to the like brief narrative we were trying to create um and like i think your group was the only one that actually like thought about it like everyone <laughs> went the same way by the end but like there are other groups that like were i had a i i as a character was a very distrustful person um and so most people were like screw that guy no to what he wants and and you know part of that was the way that the second person involved in the room was had to mm -hmm. play with them and it was a lot of like we didn't have a way to play test this beforehand so it was a lot of on the go but setting up a room like an installation and trying to like have puzzles and things and have it be a very specific sort of thing versus a, a performance that's not reliant on things being perfect um learned a lot <laughs> that is uh maybe don't do that uh <laughs> so, um you know and and i've I've tech volunteered for eight port fringes now since 2016, yeah. not eight. That's a lot of port fringes. It's many. Um, <laughs> and I've seen shows come in with very simple setups and I've seen shows come in with like, we've got two couches and a mini fridge and this thing and that yeah. thing. And like, you know, some people make it work and some people that's the struggle. And you just have to find out for fringe what, what you can do away with because a lot of people are coming, not expect like, they're not going to a Port Fringe show expecting a Portland stage or a Main State Music Theater or yeah. a Broadway or a Boston level show because they recognize that you don't have the time for all of that. Granted, I have seen shows that even with limited tech have been fantastic for the fringe level resources. Um, but uh, yeah, people are going in with lower expectations on the technical front because yeah. they're looking to be challenged or they're looking to see something that they wouldn't see at other places. And so yeah. it's a really fun way to, to get to play. Um, I have, found. we designed ours so that as long as I had access to an outlet, actually, we didn't even need that. I have a Jackery power bank. Um, so as long as we had a stage, we could do it. Didn't yeah. matter where, if the power went out, we could still do the show. Yeah. Um, because, in my mysteries and such, that's the type of environment that we have to work with, where it doesn't matter what happens. You're doing the show. You know, like blackout in the middle of the show. Great. Working into the script somehow. <laughs> right. Like that's what I'm used to. And I think that's why Fringe itself is always so exciting, because rarely do you have unconditional permission from the audience to just go like it's it's really really hard to fail 
in that environment if you're honest with what you're doing. The show could be horrible, but the audience will still cheer you on. <laughs> I mean, they're looking for that that fly by the seat of your pants, off the cuff thrill of live theater. You know, and what I like about this too is um, I kind of like three shows on a ticket. Yeah, it's shorter, but it's forced us to rethink how we're going to do things, what order we can do the shows so that if we share equipment, we can set it up. So, all right, well, if this foundation is, if they need this and our other showmates need this, well, then they go first, the showmate goes second. It's just simply you, you plug it in and build it as you go and you strike on the third. Um, we got permission, by the way. Like we had to ask permission to see if that was a real thing you could do because nobody's ever done it before. Um, but I like that mentality that fly by the city of your pants and make it up as you go along if you have to. But this isn't your last fringe this year. You have another coming up pretty soon. Yes, it is. It yeah. Is, it On the only like place of the mid-Atlantic Ridge above sea level. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, Tell us about Reykjavik. <laughs> uh, so, oh, God. It's, you know, I'm very excited about it, truly, honestly. Like, it is so cool to get to do something that I normally wouldn't have the resources to do. And this is my yeah. second time traveling kind of far i mean my first one i went to atlanta fringe in 2018 with uh a solo show that i wrote about um my experience as a domestic violence survivor but told as a dungeons and dragons interactive campaign with dice rolls and voting mm. and stuff like that um and there's something amazing about traveling to another fringe and even if you don't know anyone the energy is the same as what you would get at a port fringe or something else and i know that yeah. some of the very big festivals um like minneapolis and orlando have their very like very specific like cultures and things that they do with that and so it might feel a little bit different um but a lot of the smaller fringes that i've been to are all very have the same sort of community interaction and so um going to Reykjavik, um First off, very expensive, especially with like everything getting more expensive now. Um, yeah. World uh, got a lot bigger in the last month. Yes. Uh, and so uh, that has been stressful. Uh, mm -hmm. Being someone that I work in nonprofit arts and don't have a lot of income. And so spending a lot of money as a producer on myself and on other people um, uh, to get them out there. Um, yeah. so if uh, somebody listening, say, would like to assist you in that endeavor, <laughs> what's something they could do? Uh, they can go to any of Chimera's social media channels or my own. I'm sure you'll find mm -hmm. a post somewhere. Um, and if you can't find the links, they're in the description. Yeah. Uh, that we're doing a GoFundMe to raise some of that money, um, to help offset those costs for people. Um, and, uh, a little bit more about what the show is, is last year was the first year. Uh, it was, I think it was supposed to be 2020, but then obviously mm -hmm. the pandemic happened and never ended yet. Um, and uh, Port Fringe is a sister fringe with the Reykjavik Fringe Festival. Mm -hmm. um, and the first year that they really did that was 2021. I think it was supposed to be 2022. And so what Port Fringe did 
um, and Reykjavik Fringe did is Reykjavik watched all seven hours of Port Fringe 2021 because last year was seven fringe on film events similar to this year, um, three 20 minute pieces each. Um, and mm-hmm. so they watched all seven hours of the festival and they chose their favorite show. Um, and then Port Fringe watched the preview event, which they were live streaming to Facebook of the Reykjavik shows. Um, and then the favorite of each of those festivals um, won either the main award or the Reykjavik award. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got to be a part of the, the other festival the following year without paying the application fees or anything like that, or like worrying about the lottery. And so this year um, at Port Fringe, uh, the life of Hedy Lamar um, is uh, the Reykjavik. The show was yep. that was at Reykjavik last year. That is going to be at Port Fringe this year. The person um, largely responsible for us to be able to do this right now, Hedy Lamar, um, <laughs> <laughs> Queen of uh, Modern Age. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, that show is the only, other than the late night shows, that show is the only like traditional one hour long fringe show at Port Fringe this year. And then Story Gauntlet, which was our show last year, um, where mm-hmm. we, uh, it's a game of storytelling telephones. So someone wrote a two minute story, recorded themselves telling it. Then they sent me that video. I sent that video to the next person. The next person watched it once, recorded themselves trying to retell what they could remember of the story. <laughs> then I took their video, sent it to the next person. And we did that seven times. Um, and then we actually did three gauntlets uh, but we yeah. submitted one of them. One was a practice one. I wrote a story. And by the end of the gauntlet, this, the two minute story that I wrote was 54 seconds, um, which, you know, was not the story that I wrote. Um, the second two, we submitted one of them. And the other one is just sort of been sitting there in the ether waiting for its debut. Um, yeah. And so when Reykjavik chose us as their favorite, I didn't quite believe it at first and it wasn't until September that it was confirmed. We kind of knew at the beginning of August. Um, and then with the pandemic, a lot of their timeline has been a lot different than normal. So we've found out things a little bit later than normal. Usually I'm sure like February, March, you would know your performance times and venues, but it took them until May to get them together because of the, you know, the pandemic's happening in Iceland too. And yeah. their venues were concerned about things and it took them a lot longer to, to talk with their venues. Um, and so we're excited to get to go uh, and we're going to be doing kind of a hybrid version of the show. So we're going to screen um, both of the gauntlets that we did the full, not the practice one that I wrote, but the other two, um, mm-hmm. so the one that was at Port Fringe and the other one. Um live for the audience and then amongst those we're going to do two live gauntlets or that's the hope um one of them is going to be kind of the the traditional someone will tell a story the next person will hear it etc and then the second one is going to be what we are lovingly calling the chaos gauntlet um and the chaos gauntlet involves if i am telling the story and randy is the one listening to the story randy is doing something that is distracting him from fully listening to the story, whether that is, um, and actually I think you might've been there when we trialed this, um, at the, you should smile more show that we did this for, um, uh, that, uh, might be like throwing a ball back and forth with the audience or doing a puzzle or getting stuff chucked at you, um, that you have to catch and throw back to people. Um, (laughs) uh, and so that, 
I think is just kind of a very fringy, like chaotic way of doing it. Yeah. Um, but was also really fun when we trialed it. Um, and so just trying to figure out what that format is and our hope is that we can find a way to record because we're already doing video as part of the evening to record the first story, especially because one of those stories is going to be improvised on the spot. Um, so that when we get through the gauntlet, we can show the first story to everyone and say, this is what it was supposed to be. It's not what it ended up as. Um, the story that I told in our trial run of this uh, at a You Should Smile More show, who, by the way, is on our ticket now, um, which is very yeah. exciting. They're very great. Um, uh, they, uh, I started with a story. The suggestions I had were horror and sci-fi and I think Pop-Tarts or something. Um, and then I told a story that was kind of Lovecraftian alien pop tart turns into weird creature and devours you. And by the end of it, someone was talking about like the toaster that they bought on Amazon. Like it's not the story that we started. <laughs> at all. Um, and it was, and, and it is such a great, you know, it's funny because like in the video ones, you can see people's brains working or not working and you can see their like panic and the, attempts at uh thinking of what's next um so you get like the humor from that but then there's also the humor from like what the story becomes and what things get like kept um in one of the stories and i'm going to say this because uh, unless you're flying to Reykjavik to see it you probably will not see the second version of <laughs> uh, story gauntlet at the moment um but the other one was written by one of our other cast members uh because we had, I had one of two different cast members wrote the stories for the official gauntlets that we did. And it was, the story was called Don't Turn That Dial. It was about a radio announcer giving a two minute speech about something. Um, and at one point, I think it was like the third or fourth story teller had a cat and the cat meowed in the background and they made an offhand comment to the cat while they were telling the story. For the rest of that gauntlet, someone <laughs> mentioned the cat in every one of their, <laughs> every one of their storytelling um or like someone's headphones fell off and then they put them back on and then everyone like was taking glasses off and putting them on or something <laughs> and so it's really funny to see what people kept and what they didn't yeah um well it's a keyframe so, it's something to hold on to yeah yeah um and so it'll be a really fun thing to see we're we're only bringing three people out including myself uh right now um one is uh tara mcdonough who does a lot of improv comedy yep. stuff locally in maine um uh, who's also going out on behalf of Port Fringe for Port Fringe reasons, but also um, was really excited about being a part of the show. Um, and a college friend of mine, Natalie Osborne, who wrote the story that we used uh, in our Port Fringe gauntlet. Um, and so the three of us are going out. And then these things only work well with six to eight people telling mm -hmm. stories. And so we're yeah. going to be fringing it up and finding other artists in the festival that aren't performing during our performance time to come in and perform with us, um, which I think will be really fun um, because this show requires no rehearsal. It's very, it's not improv in the traditional sense, um, but it's very like, here's the structure, go for it. Um, yeah. And so I think that that will be very fun and exciting. And I'm excited to, uh, for so many shows at Port Fringe, I mean, I'm constantly realizing that maybe I shouldn't have been involved in a festival four days before I'm leaving a country, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, it's what I chose to do and here we are and it's going to be fun and exciting when we do it. 
Um, but there Sleep are so many... is for the weak. Chris. Yeah. Um, <laughs> trying to find time to market and rehearse and do all the other things all at the same time while also like giving myself a little bit of respite. Who knows? Um, but that's but part of the rush of the whole thing. It, yeah. it is. Um, I'm trying to get better at not running myself down because like 2019, I got to the end of that port fringe and I had done way too much that year. Um, and I'm trying to find a way to dial back. And over the pandemic, I've learned that like saying no is okay. Um, and I've been good at that until the past two months. Um, and so it's <laughs> figuring it out from there. But, you know, there's a lot of really great shows. Like I'm really excited for Aphrodite. Um, it sounds really awesome. I love sci-fi. Um, so I'm really excited about what you guys are working on. Um, our trio is You Should Smile More, who I yeah. have uh, attended performances of when it doesn't conflict with my work schedule. Since yeah, Amanda and I were members of the Chamber of Comedy together. She works for yeah. my theater company, Sleuth's Mystery Entertainment. Um, Tara so, and I went to high school together. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love so there's a You lot Should of, Smile More. A lot of great people and You Should Smile More. And then we're also paired with Jurassic Joe's Dinos, um, yes. who's run by Brie uh, Roche, who I went, I went to high school with. And she... Uh, over the pandemic, uh, they've she's been running for many years pre-pandemic, a uh, company yep. called Bree's Best Guests, where they do princessing, they go to kids' parties, um, bring, you know, Disney princesses and other princesses or, uh, sorry, uh, unlicensed characters that look maybe very similar to popular princesses to most um, of the popular princesses Um, are in the public domain (laughs) Uh, yes the costumes are different uh (laughs) but uh you know i've always been really excited about the stuff that she's been doing and she and one of her company members joanna clark um started uh jurassic joe's dinos during the pandemic uh and when they announced it I said, I commented on Bree's post, like, I am an adult and I want to see this show. Like, you should totally, <laughs> like, do something for adults yeah. or you should, like, submit to Port Fringe or something. And then they did and then they got in and then we got paired with them. And so I'm excited that I get to see their show three times. Um, I think they're doing, like, a mini musical with those characters and their hope um, is to use this 20 minute version to expand to like an hour long version. They can tour places. And I know that one of her pipe dream goals is to get a large dinosaur um, to be part of the show. So right now it's baby hatched dinosaurs are part of the show that they have. Um, But I know that she wants to get like a bigger um, one to be a part of it. Um, And so like, I'm very excited about those and I'm excited about a lot of the other work happening as i always am like the late night shows all sound really awesome um and are so different from each other which i think will be really yeah. fun and um, they only run once and deserve yeah. an audience go see the late night shows and they're also set up so that you can see two shows during port fringe in the evening and then go see the late night show after so it's not like yeah. you're missing any of the rest of the festival for seeing the late night shows speaking um, of which on saturday june 18th you can actually have an opportunity depending on how fast you can move and how close good fiber and uh, uh, port fiber and good fire are, you can come and see our show with Aphrodite prime and the invaders from Venus 12 windows 95 relaunch. And it's complicated, the musical. And then once you're done, walk over to port fiber and see villainy or something, Jurassic Joe's dino show. And you should smile more. Um, you can do it both for uh, 
for a quite reasonable amount. We have um, tickets are on sale, base price $15. Or, and this is what the three of us recommend you do because it's the better value for us, for $30, you can pick up the I Love Fringe price and it's your way to show your um, appreciation to your artists the old-fashioned way by paying us. Um, so this is the same as the base ticket. Artists involved get a little bit extra for our hard work. Consider it like a tip. Uh, the Rush uh, pass pricing and packages are available. Look online for that, portfringe.com. You can also pick up the Frugal Fringer Pass for $75. It's a punch card. Good for one person to attend one performance of each of the Port Fringe 22 short format events. Plus, Heady, all the way from Reykjavik. You also have a $180 uh, Fringe Fiend Pass. You avoid all the rush. It's an all-access pass with reserved seats to see all of the Port Fringe 22 shows, late-night shows included. So if you want to support your late-night crew, pick up the Fringe Fiend Pass. It's only 180 And considering you've been at home for three years, it's an easy way to cash into your theater budget. So we will be back shortly with Chris and Villainy. Or something. Right after this. Port Fringe presents The Adventures of Aphrodite Prime and the Invaders from Venus 12. A live radio extravaganza bringing the wonders of the future right here to 1933. Relive the adventures of the past at Port Fringe with Balderdash Academies, Aphrodite Prime, and the Invaders from Venus 12, a radio play from Balderdash Academies on the air live comedy radio show. Let us paint the scenes in your mind and see the world through the eyes of your ears. For more information, visit portfringe.com. We'll see you on the air. Welcome back to Balderdash Academy. We're talking with Chris DePhillip and talking about Fringe. So, Chris is going to Reykjavik for um, Fringe Exchange. If you can help him and his crew get there, go to our website, balderdashacademy.com or social media feeds and you will find links on our homepage to his GoFundMe. You'll find uh, all the information that you need there or on our social or you can go to um, his social media pages or his website at Chimera Theater Collective. So one way or another we'll get you the links. If you can't find them, email me. I'll email them to you personally. It doesn't bother me. All right, Chris. Hi. Wow. <laughs> We're back. I am back. Every once in a while, I slip into my old game show uh, voice, I guess. So you were talking about about um, the shows that you wanted to see at Fringe. You're talking about the fringes that you've done before uh, and last year where it was all video. What? other than yours and mine is the title that if you saw it on the spine of a book, you would purchase. Ooh, that's a good, 
That's a good question. Um, looking at the titles here, just on titles and forgetting anything that I know about anything else about these shows. Cause I do know a little bit about some of these shows and I'm very excited about a lot of them because yeah. of that. Yeah. I would probably go with a uh, bloomers. Lafay walks into the future. I, um, I, yeah, that would, yeah. <laughs> That was the one I would like if that was a title, like and, and granted, I know the performer, I know the character. Yeah. And so I'm excited to see more of that. If as I well, saw that like, in the if, spine, I would buy the book. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and it doesn't hurt that like I know at least one of the other people on that ticket. Um uh and it's uh spoken word performances and uh their poetry is amazing. Um as well so like that whole ticket i think will be really fun um yeah. i mean most of the tickets look like they're going to be really fun uh i don't know about my ticket <sighs> who knows if that'll be fun or not but uh i'm being sarcastic please read the sarcasm in my voice um, oh no trust me well yeah really villainy but, or something you should smile more or jurassic joe's dino show i don't yeah. think you have anything to worry about <laughs> um <laughs> And yeah, and I think a lot of like the late night shows are going to be really, really cool. Um, The like, I'm very excited. I've seen some imagery from the garden and I'm really excited to see where that piece is going. I know a lot of the people involved with it, but um, they just posted on their socials a video of them. Like that's like a corner of a house and they pull something and the house topples. And I'm really excited to see like how that gets incorporated into whatever this story is going to be. Um, yeah. in this piece um, uh, and fondue a night of cheesy fun who doesn't like cheese even if you're lactose intolerant you probably love cheese you just can't eat it so like who doesn't like that title um, though that you know and like yeah. a night of cheesy fun and the image has cheese on it like I love puns <laughs> uh, give me those puns so uh, yeah but when I when I see fringe I try to see as much as possible yeah. Um, this year, last year, really easy to do that. There's only 12 hours of fringe to watch the entire festival, um, to catch every show. Um, whereas in some years I have caught 30 to 40 shows and volunteered and produced. Um, and I wonder if maybe that's why I got really worn out. Uh, but we'll that just could be about that right now. So you were sleeping um, during setup? And strike, uh, no, apparently. Uh, I would sleep when I got home <laughs> uh, after the evening. Um, I also, you know, I, I'm fortunate and also maybe financially less so that uh, my job, I work as a house manager uh, by night, technically. No, it's not my day job because it's the night, nights and weekends mostly. Um, I do do a lot of admin work in the middle of the day sometimes, but uh, I work as a house manager at a theater that, June is usually the month off um, for my position. I'm not a year round position. I am seasonal um, and I come okay. back in July and then I work, you know, all of the shows through the season and do a bunch of other stuff. Um, and so I'm, I've been very fortunate that that gives me, despite the lack of two paychecks <laughs> for four weeks of not working, um, it gives me the freedom to be able to commit to fringe for the week, um, yeah. which I always appreciate. Um, something that's really exciting about this year's festival, um, although in some ways also sad because in, in past years with there being a lot of people from out of uh, not local coming to the festival, um, there's usually a lot of workshops and stuff in the afternoons, which is very fun and exciting. 
um, to be a part of and to participate in, in leading workshops. I've led a couple. Um, but uh, with everyone being local, um, there aren't any of the workshops, but it means that like most of the people are going to have day jobs and stuff. So like fringes a lot more yeah. condensed in the like 4 p.m. onward instead of the like noon to one, um, which sometimes it could feel like. And so instead of it being a 13 hour day for 10 days in a row, um, yeah. it's a lot shorter and the festival is shorter. Uh, I mean, usually it's like a 10 or 11 day festival and this year it's six, um, five if you don't include opening night as because there's no performances that night other than the opening night party, yeah. um, as far as I'm aware. Uh, and so uh, I think it'll just be really great to um, get to see everything and not be really stressed about seeing everything in the, the way that I might yeah. otherwise be stressed about it. <laughs> um, uh, Granted, yeah, that and leaving how many days after the festival ends? Uh, festival closes on the 18th and I get on a plane at noon on the 22nd in to, Boston. To do We're it all over again. That, <laughs> and at some point between those two times, we've been wanting to do a trial run of the live version of Story Gauntlet before we leave. Uh, okay. Which I think would be important to make sure that some of the stuff that we want to try works. Um, Let me know if you need an audience. Be- uh we probably will um we also really need a venue and that's what i've been working on and that's the the, the issue that we had since we lost the theater with uh um through to covid is is finding locations are difficult uh and so you know i had reached out to one or two venues haven't heard back or it wasn't going to work out um and so like initially that was going to be like tomorrow night or sunday yeah that's not happening anymore and so now it's like Either the 19th or 20th, there will probably be a performance of Story Gauntlet live. Um, Fortunately, we don't need any rehearsal. um, (laughs) And you don't really need to be a performer. You just need to be willing to, like, know how your memory is. Um, But, uh, you know, that's sort of the the only thing that me realizing, like, ooh, that was a decision. Like, it seemed like it was fine at first, but then... You know, working as a house manager, I didn't have a lot of time to do other stuff. Um, I have had a lot of other stuff going on. I did lights for a show that closed last week, um, in part because I got asked to do it after I spent a lot of money on going to Reykjavik. And I was like, should I time-wise? Probably not. Do I want the $400? No. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if somebody wants to give you money, you say yes. It's- yeah. um, not always. I have had to turn down shows, you know, with places that I would love to work with just because the timing of the tech week was just not going to work with my, yeah. my life or schedule. See, that's um, the difference. The type of theater that I'm involved in, we don't have tech weeks yeah, or oftentimes rehearsals. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's, I've done yeah. for many years pre-pandemic and it's it's kind of stopped now just because of the pandemic. I was technical director of an improv group in Portsmouth mm-hmm. um, for three or three or so years. Um, was that Stranger Than Fiction or a yes, different one? Yes, so Stranger yep. Than Fiction. Um, and like, I guess if they asked me to come back, I I would consider it depending on how my life is. Um, yeah. But uh, they haven't done any shows of the same level that they would need me yet. Um, and uh, that was a lot of improv lighting which is very fun and exciting and if you mm-hmm. get the right improvisers that are willing to play with you as a designer um getting to like pull up something someone's talking about in sound cues or pull up you know someone's like "Ooh, 
uh, you know, doing one of those long forms where you're like, meanwhile, in the um, airship above the college campus. And then yeah. you're just like, great. What does an airship look like? Here we go. Um, and like <laughs> play with that or, you know, yeah. ways to really like, oh, something's about to explode. Let's have the lights do something. And, you know, yeah. that, that was really fun and freeing, too. Um, and you're very good at it. Cause I go, I, I go to a lot of those shows. I there, went to a lot of those shows. There's someone that took some photos of one of, they used to do a lot of um, like Christmas at Hogwarts was a show that they did a mm-hmm. lot of every yep. year. Um, and one year someone took a photo of one of the moments that I swear, if you did not know it was an improv show would look like I had built that queue um, because it's like, they're in a wand battle. There's two down lights on them. There's haze <laughs> in the space. It's like dramatic and like everyone's where they should be. And the light just like was in the right places. Um, I mean, that's the brilliance of improv though. It's that when yeah. it works, it works brilliantly. Yeah. yeah. So, I like, mean, uh, that's I, our background. Most of Balderdash, well, all of Balderdash Academy are improvisers. So we have uh, Molly, Nate, myself, Steve Corning, Marie are all from the Chamber of Comedy at Main Rep. And you have Randy from CSC Maine. You have Carla Rose with Mainly Improv. So we're from that world. That's, I mean, that was primarily our bread and butter. And even the theatrical mysteries that we do, they're scripted, but we don't know where we're doing them. You know, we've done them outside at Funky Bow. We've done them at, uh, we just had a show with 250 people at a, an Elks Club in Billerica in October. Like you, you don't know where you're going in. So traditional theater is completely different though. Um, I mean, you actually have to know what you're doing, (laughs) you know, but do you, you actually have to look like, you know what you're doing just like me. Yeah. Just like me with this podcast. Now, if you want to see villainy or something or any of the port fringe shows you can find tickets at portfringe.com look for them by groups of three you get three acts for one price the prices are 15 dollars for a base ticket 30 dollars for the i love fringe ticket which gives the money to uh, more money to the performers you also have rush pass pricing which you can find more about online at portfringe.com $75 frugal fringer pass it's a punch card good for one person to attend one performance of each show plus heady none of the other late night shows or 180 you can get the whole deal fringe fiend pass you get all access to all shows reserved seat the seats will be held until five minutes to open um it is that point that we have traditionally done one thing with our guests on these port fringe specials and that's play a game of technically correct now chris you're in for a treat because randy doesn't think he's good at this game i am not good at this game (laughs) um so in technically correct i will read a description of a movie that is technically correct and chris and randy will try to answer uh, what they think the movie is as fast as possible. Um, there are no points, so it doesn't matter if they get it right or not. Feel free to play along at home. If you like the game, you can find us online at balderdashacademy.com. We're in our second season, and we have our final two episodes coming up. At the end of the last episode, we have really big news to share with all of you. That's called the teaser. So, 
our first movie. This is a fairly easy movie, I think. I wrote all of them, so of course I think they're all easy. So scientists try to cure Alzheimer's and end up monkeying around. Scientists try to cure Alzheimer's and end up monkeying around. Randy. Planet of the Apes. Planet of the Apes. Chris. Uh, Dr. Moreau's Strange Island of Dr. Moreau. The Island of Dr. Moreau, which is a fantastic book. Weird movie. Like, that's the one that's the one that that uh, he lost his mind on. Um, He being. My brain shut down. It's fringe week. Give me a break. So future Bob here. Yes, I forgot the name of Marlon Brando. It's been a long week. Now back to the show. Uh, yeah, uh, scientists try to cure Alzheimer's and end up monkeying around. We have uh, Planet of the Apes and the Island of Dr. Moreau, both of which could technically be correct. Only one is correct, and that is the dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, well, very go. good. The next movie, School Kids, given oral presentation. That's the movie. That's the entire movie. It's a movie about school kids who give an oral presentation. Chris, what do you have? Oh, my. Uh, uh, the Breakfast Club. Breakfast Club. Don't you forget about me, Randy. <laughs> uh, I'll go with uh, Stand By Me. Stand By Me, which is my daughter's favorite movie, by the way. Such a good movie. Such a good movie. So school kids give an oral presentation. We have uh, Breakfast Club and Stand By Me. Neither are correct, but you can both party on because it's Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Excellent. (laughs) This one, I'm going to give you a hint. There's a 25th anniversary of this movie. Of a taxi driver who falls for the perfect woman. It's the movie about a taxi driver who falls for the perfect woman. Randy, what do you have? Uh, Mannequin? Mannequin. Okay, I'm going to pause. Mannequin is one of the creepiest films ever made. <laughs> like, it is, it if you want to know what's wrong with most people in the modern day <laughs> who were alive in 1987... Watch Mannequin (laughs) and then take a shower because you're going to need it. Chris, (laughs) a taxi driver falls for the perfect woman. What does it describe? American Beauty. American Beauty. That's an excellent guess. Um, The correct answer uh, was neither of them. It's the fifth element. The fifth element is about a taxi driver who literally falls for the perfect woman. Um. Movie number four, visitors help residents save their property. Visitors help residents save their property. Randy, what do you have? I will go with... I, I, I can't think of the movie that I want to say, so I'm just going to say E.T. E.T. Chris, what do you have? Uh, can you repeat the... Visitors help residents save their property. James Cameron's Avatar? James Cameron's Avatar, both of which very good answers. The correct answer was actually batteries not included. Oh, all right. I'm going to give you one that's easy. That's super easy that you should know <laughs> if you haven't seen the movie just by pop culture alone. 
a boy and a girl discovers that the only way to win the game is not to play. Randy? Oh, I'm first? Pop culture demands you know this. (laughs) The thing is, I do. I know that I know it. But you know how my brain doesn't work? Oh, you know, you, you know exactly what it is, but it just won't let you access it. Okay, correct. Yeah, correct. so let's go to let's go to Chris. Chris, what do you what do you what do you think it is? Uh the Hunger Games, but like the Hunger the Games. One. All right. Brandy. Um generic movie title here. Generic <laughs> movie title here is the winner. Uh no, it's um a boy and a girl discovers that the only way to win the game is not to play is war games. War games, yes. Yes. Global thermonuclear war. This is just me learning. I know no movies. Do you, have you not <laughs> seen that movie? I have. I have seen maybe two of the movies that we have done. Okay, I, 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 I okay. always fall in the same boat. But if you've not seen War Games, put it on your list. I'm a cinemaphile who went to college for this. So <laughs> how about this? I'm going to give you what I think is the most fringe movie <laughs> that we've done in the last two seasons. Like if there was a movie that could have been devised for fringe, this is it. The movie is employees steal their boss's secret and go on the run while accidentally kidnapping a young child. Oh, uh, I, I, I know the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, what do you think it is? You might not have seen this. You might not have known it existed. But if if of any movies on this list, this is the one you should see, especially for fringe. What I think it is, I yes, it should be. Employees steal their boss's secrets to go on the run while accidentally kidnapping a young child. Like I could probably easily answer a thought of a movie. Until the while accidentally stealing a young child, at which point my brain 404s and gets concerned. (laughs) Welcome to my world. (laughs) Um, I feel like uh, stealing a young child is the thing I. Yeah, it's rough. The Incredibles. I don't know. Incredibles is a great. That's a great guess, Randy. I think it's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. All right. Employees steal their boss's secrets and go on the run while accidentally kidnapping a young child. Describes Time Bandits. Oh, Time Bandits. Time Bandits. Terry Gilliam. It is, as a fringe performer, Time Bandits is basically like, I mean, it is a very fringe-ish movie. How about this one, Randy? A babysitter sucks at her job while she's fighting her own Battle of the Bulge. Uh, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Labyrinth. Oh, that's Labyrinth. Yeah, and Mrs. Doubtfire. I mean, the whole thing about Technically Correct yeah. is each description describes at least three movies. <laughs> <laughs> but only one is Technically Correct. <laughs> All right, that was it. Our winner is uh, Chris, because he's a guest. Yeah, and I didn't keep score, and uh, that's okay. Chris, thank you for coming on. I hope you had fun. I I did. It was great. Yeah. This is, uh, 
this has been a, a wild couple of weeks for me with this. This is my first time producing anything for Fringe. And I have a tendency when I when I produce things for anything to go a little over the top. Um, so it's been uh, it's it's been a really cool roller coaster of fun for me the last couple of weeks. Um, and the one thing being somebody who's been in so many and on both the producing side, the writing side and the performing side, there's a number of people this year who are this is their first fringe. And this is a weird fringe to be in for the first one. What advice do you have for them? You know, I think my advice for anyone trying to do fringe is sort of threefold. One is to not take yourself too seriously. Like even the most serious of shows, like it's fringe stuff is going to happen. Like be there to have fun and do what you're doing and try your best. But like at the end of the day, like there's not, an actual like Tony or Pulitzer prize. Like there might be like awards at the end of the festival that like people will get based off of their writing and how like people reviewed and, and thought of them. But like, there's nothing on, like there's no livelihood on the line for this. I mean, yeah. even people that are traveling that it is their livelihood to travel and tour French shows. And there are many of them that come to Port French many times over. Um, like part of the reason that they're able to do that is because they have, fun and take don't take themselves too seriously um i think the other thing is fringe is all about community and yeah. it's all about the you know part of the thing that i love about fringe is that everyone that is there loves what they're doing in some way whether it's they love fringe or they yeah. love the performance that they're working on or they love something um and to like be a part of that community and really like I have seen people who have done shows at fringe where they go in to do their performance. They leave, they come back to do their next performance. They leave. And that is all they do for the festival. And part of the key to success is networking with other artists to get them to see your show, to network with other audience members, to get them to see your show, to, support the other artists so that they have people seeing their show. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, and sometimes that means printing out postcards and handing them out to people as you're talking to them about the show, you know, going to the events that you can make. And like, especially this year, it is weird. It's all local artists. It's people that have day jobs that can't necessarily be there every night in the way that they would if they were coming to Portland or the way that like I'm going to Reykjavik. I'm there like there's touristy things I could do, but like literally most of my time in the two weeks I'm there is going to be doing the festival. But if I lived in Reykjavik, I might have a job and I may not be able to do that. Um, and so finding ways to welcome in the other people and really... Yeah. Like it's about the fact that we're all doing work and, and, you know, Port French is trying to get away from using theater to define itself because there are a lot of festivals like Reykjavik included that there's a lot of burlesque, a lot of dance, a lot of music, a lot of things that aren't specifically theater and Port Fringe has had a lot of that in the past, but did veer more into mostly people that do theater applying. Um, and so when it does start to get to be more, and there's a lot of that in this year's festival, there's some music and there's some variety and some spoken word and dance and all of that stuff in various um, late nights and, and, you know, in the seven short form events. Um, 
you also learn more about all of the other aspects of art outside of what you typically do. Um, I mean, like you guys do a lot of improv. I and I've worked with many of the people that are involved in Balderdash and other projects mm-hmm. um, and other improv groups and things like that. Um, but you also do a lot of like radio stuff. And like we never like learning about radio theater or podcasting or things like that from people. Like the only way you get to learn from other people that are part of the festival is to be involved. Yeah. And yeah, that means taking a little bit more time to be part of the festival and make it part of your priority. But it really is the way that that community gets built. And it's the way that you, as someone that's part of the festival, can have an impact on that festival. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I sometimes, yeah, I go way too hard when I do festivals sometimes. And I try to see something in every foreseeable slot I could see something in, even if I'm performing um, or even if I have to be at a show because I'm producing. Um, I try to, if I, can I try to volunteer? I'm doing one of the volunteer shifts this year. Fortunately, the festival is small enough and there are enough people interested in volunteering that um, in the past I have done, there have been festivals where I've done 10 to 40 hours of volunteering while also seeing stuff and also doing whatever. Um, This year, I'm only doing one shift. Like there's enough people this year that they have, you know, three or four people, like the committee, which often sometimes has to cover for volunteer shifts, doesn't have to do any volunteer shifts this year which lets them to see all of the shows and be more involved in the festival too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's really just like, if anything, like show up for others, be a part of the festival, see things, do things, mm-hmm. chat with folks. If there are people, you know, if you have the time and I know COVID is, is tricky. I myself in large part, because I'm going to Iceland um, have been even more cautious than I, I might be willing to be, even in outdoor settings, I'm still wearing a mask just because I'm like, if I get COVID, I can't travel. Um, and so, or I can't perform. Um, but even if you can find a way to, you know, if people are chatting after a show, you know, after the late night show and people are outside chatting and hanging out and you have the ability and don't have to be up in the morning, like find a way to spend a little bit of time and just chat with them and get to know the people you're working with. I've become really good friends with people that have traveled out to Port Fringe, um, uh, I'm friends with people that I met when I went to Atlanta that haven't traveled to Maine, but because I went down there, I'm, I'm friends with them um, and have worked with them on stuff. And that, that's sort of the beauty of Fringe is that it is, everyone is sort of on level playing field. There is no one that is necessary. I mean, it's to an extent, yes, there are some people that may be more resourced um, for paying people or for like bringing stuff into their stuff, but everyone is given the same you know, especially in Port Fringe, everyone's given the same lottery consideration. No one is mm-hmm. preferred for certain venues over others, um, unless it's like absolutely necessary for the show. Um, and so it's really one of the more like, I don't know if egalitarian is the word, but it's one of the more like everyone's on a level playing field going into the festival. And it's really what you make of it when you're there. Well, that, it's like a massive ensemble. Yeah. You're all on the uh, same footing. You're all equals within the, the eyes of the whole. Yeah. And it's, and it's, you know, as you've said many times, like one of the things that's great about at least Port Fringe, it's not the case with all fringes because some fringes, instead of charging fees, they take a percentage of the box office. Port Fringe is a CAF festival. And part of the CAF ethos is that um, the majority of shows, uh, and I think some of it has changed lately, which is why I'm using this wording. um, The majority of shows have to be chosen by lottery, not Mm -hmm. by curation. And the majority to almost a hundred percent of profits have to go back to the artists. Um, and there are sometimes I know in the past Port Fringe has had like a dollar ticket fee to cover payment processing. Um, but 
that $15, that $30 um, that Bob was talking about earlier, like that $30, $10 of that goes to each of the fringe artists. Yeah. Um, the $180 pass, there's a $35 like tip the fringe that's part of that that goes toward Port Fringe, but the remaining $145 of that gets split between all 12 events. Um, and so everyone gets like you're directly supporting artists by going and attending their shows. Yeah. Um, which and and those people pay um a fraction of what they would pay for a venue rental. Um, venue rentals in the Portland area are like $1,200 for a whole week. And that's at like the nonprofit rate, um, including direct, uh, like uh, including security deposit. Yeah. Um, Port Fringe in its most expensive year with um, with production fee and this would be before the pandemic, with production fee and with application fee was $200. Um, you get all your tickets back and that's four performances. To get multiple runs before the pandemic at 200 is a bargain. <laughs> and I think this year, you know, we all get three performances this year and pre-pandemic, you could get up to five. Yeah. Um, but you get three performances this year. I think we paid with production fee um, $100 between application yeah. and production fee. Um, and while it, the thing that's tricky about having three people on a ticket versus yourself on a ticket is that you have to split that profit three ways. So you're not getting all of everyone's money. You're getting a third of everyone's money, um, which can be trickier. You also have three shows to bring more people in than you might have on your own. Well, that's part of the reason why I'm doing something like this is I've taken it not on myself, but I want to get to know the people that I'm doing fringe with. And I want the opportunity to, I mean, it's been a rough couple of years for us. So I know for, for our venue, I took it on myself to try to sell 100% of the tickets. Because if we all do that, then we're all going to fail. But we're at least still going to sell really well. <laughs> but I also want to see if I could up Port Fringe in general to try to get people who wouldn't necessarily go to Fringe to go. So if you're listening to this, and you want a, a really interesting experience where you can get three shows for the price of one for only $15. What we need you to do is go to portfringe.com and it's a la carte. Just pick the shows that look interesting to you because they all are. Um, there is not a single ticket in this fringe that I'm not excited to go see. And that's saying something because that isn't necessarily the case when you have more shows. So again, $15 base ticket price, $30. I love fringe and give back to the people putting on the shows for you. Um, there is rush pass pricing. You can find all information, all the information for that online at portfringe.com. $75 frugal fringer pass. Again, it's a punch card. Good for one person to attend one performance of each of the Port 22 short format, plus heady, no late night shows. If you want the late night shows, get the Fringe Fiend Pass. It's only 180. You avoid the rush. You get to see all of the shows with a reserved seat. So um, one thing I also want you to check out, uh, because some of my favorite people happen to be on the ticket, is uh, there is this uh, this little ticket with um, 
You might have heard of him. I, I think, what is it? Jurassic Joe's Dino Show. You should smile more. And of course, Villainy or something from Chimera Theater Collective. Villainy or something is afoot. Though, honestly, we don't know if we really thought this whole thing through. So just give us 20 minutes of your time or else your will shall be mine. Hours. <laughs> anyway, we shall see. Dramatic. I love the fact that you put dramatic cape flip in the description. <laughs> yeah. And then maybe we'll all learn something. So there. Yeah. Um, you can find all information online at portfringe.com. If you want to see Chris, Chimera Theater, um, if uh, you want to see the Polyphonic Theater Ensemble, uh, what they did together for Villainy or something, Jurassic Joe's Dino Show, or You Should Smile More. It's Thursday, June 16th at 7.30 at Good Fire. Friday, June 17th at 9 at Port Fiber. And Saturday, June 18th at 5.30 at Port Fiber. If those locations sound familiar, it's because they are also the same locations that you can see Aphrodite Prime and the Invaders from Venus 12. Um, Windows 95 relaunch and it's complicated the musical different dates different times so you have an opportunity to see all the shows that you want to see Chris thank you so much for coming on the show <laughs> thank you for having me it's, it's the end of the rehearsal week and the beginning of Fringe so we're all a little little run down until this weekend but um, or what's getting there I actually have a show this weekend that I just remembered <laughs> I yeah, no, it's on the calendar. I wouldn't have forgotten. But um, Steve Corning, our uh, coach Steve, who's the co-founder of Balderdash, we're doing Project Graduation somewhere. I'm not going to say where because we're a surprise. But um, and that's you want to talk about late night. That's a midnight show the night before we open. <laughs> Who needs sleep? Hey, thanks for listening to Balderdash Academy. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Dashers, this is your headmaster reminding you that we are now booking live Balderdash Academy. If you want improv comedy, custom game show experiences, team building, and more, you can find us online at balderdashacademy.com. And don't forget to pick up Balderdash Academy merchandise in our school store while you're there. <laughs>